0: Now, join us for Advisors Roundtable with your hosts, Certified Financial Planners, Greg Cooley and Bubba Labus. It's professional advice for your life.
1: Welcome to the Advisors Roundtable. Certified Financial Planners, Greg Cooley and Bubba Labus with you right here on Supertalk Radio. And thank you a lot. Thank you always a lot for listening and for patronizing us and for the well wishes and for the uh, kind words we hear from time to time related to the quality of the shows here at the Advisors' Roundtable. Also, thanks to all of our sponsors. Uh, Couldn't do that without you uh, across Mississippi, and we appreciate that. So, uh, Bubba, it occurred to me, there are a number of things that... uh, are part of our life experience that we probably don't necessarily know how they work. You think most people understand how electricity works?
2: You know, I took a class recently, and, and I say recently, within the last year and a half or so, maybe a year ago, and uh, and I took both sons with me, John Burton and Henry, because I don't understand electricity that well myself. And okay. I would still say I don't understand electricity, <laughs> right? Okay. I know that you hit the switch and the light bulb should come on. If it doesn't come on, then you change the light bulb and if that doesn't work you check the breaker you check box. Check the breaker box. And, and that's about the extent. Number four it, is right.
1: calling electrician, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. That's right. That's what most Americans yeah. probably know. We don't know the difference between watts and yeah. volts and mm-hmm. meters
2: and, and we don't yeah. know. And um, amps and, and all that kind of no, stuff. No. So no. I went to this class thinking, yeah, you know, I'll learn a little bit. Mm. And I I think I did. I learned a little bit. Mm -hmm. I learned enough to know that I'm still going to call the electrician. (laughs) Number four on the list. number four on the list to come fix anything. (laughs) Call the electrician. But electricity
1: is not the only thing. Mm -hmm. You know, most of us probably don't know how the modern car works anymore. Mm -hmm. We may have understood it way back in the 1950s, 60s, and 70s when it was a basic combustion engine. Mm -hmm. And you open the hood and you look under there and there's all kinds of space. Right. You know, um, you now know, it's all plastic. You got a lot of plastic and a mm-hmm. lot of wires and some computers yeah. under there. And how's it working? Mm-hmm. Um, and and so we don't know how that. Or what about medicine? You know, you go to the doctor and they come out and they tell you you got the interstitial cystitis or mm-hmm. whatever that you don't know. That's all Greek. We to need do. to actually fix, figure out what that is anyway. Yeah, some yeah. kind of bladder thing. Yeah, is, right. you know? But. <laughs> but Then the medicine for it. I got no idea the Mm -hmm. chemistry of the medicine in that. Think of the things that we're just trusting somebody else to help us with. You don't know what you don't know. You do not know what you do not know in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And as long as 99% of the time you flick the switch and the light comes on Mm -hmm. and 99% of the time you push the button or turn the key and the car starts right. and moves um and 99 hopefully 100% of the time the medicine you take and the diagnosis you get from your doctor mm-hmm. is right and you get better we just move on right what about our finances uh, and it's one of the reasons we do the, 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 the advisor's roundtable on Supertalk is to try to better inform us of some things that are going on around us. And today we're going to talk about your, re, your, your investments, specifically your retirement plans and your 401k type investments. Right. And the reason I say that is that I'm going to give you a scenario. It happens all the time because we help administer a, a lot of 401ks sure. for businesses sure. in this part of the world. So we go in and let's say Phil, our executive producer over there, um, is an employee of a business that we are helping administer the 401k for. And we meet with him and we ask him a bunch of questions and he uh, does a little questionnaire to determine what his risk tolerance is, whether he knows he's doing that or not. Mm -hmm. We're trying to determine what kind of asset mix to stocks, to, to, to bonds, to uh, other things in there. And he's just ans- answering questions. He's going along with this because yeah. it's a benefit provided by his employer. Mm-hmm. And then we th- look at the investments that are offered in there. And there's large cap and small cap and mid cap and emerging markets and international and and target date funds and all the, mm-hmm. and And Phil... He, he, he glazes over like I do with the electricity, mm-hmm. right? And 30 years later, he gets ready to retire, and he just hopes that he did that right. What The other thing we find out is throughout the years, very few times do employees even think they need to revisit this. Right. So what we're going to talk about today is what all those terms mean And if you are thinking about signing up for an investment, whether, you know, grandma died and left Mm -hmm. you some money and you need to understand what to do with it. Or specifically, are you thinking about signing up for something offered by your employer, like a simple or a 401k or a 403b, how to do it right Mm -hmm. for yourself? Sure. Because sometimes we ask people, we'll go in and take over a 401k that's been administered by somebody else. Right. And we'll ask Oh, Phil, we say, Phil, um, you know, how'd you arrive at this investment mix? Mm-hmm. Oh, that dude that signed me up before said so that's what I ought to do.
2: Or another one that I've heard in the past is, well, I figured all of them were there, so I just get a little bit of each. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got 10 choices, so I just did 10 percent in each one. Yeah, and my grandmother told me, never put all my eggs
1: in one basket, yeah. mm-hmm. so you know that sounds like diversification to me, right If I put like two percent in mm-hmm. 50 things, I'm pretty good. Maybe you are, maybe you aren't. Maybe it's the right thing for you to do related to your age and your risk tolerance and your personal knowledge and your own personality. A lot of, a lot of stuff goes into this. Sure right? does. Um, and sometimes it's like electricity. There's so much there. The supply and the, the current and, 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 and the load and all that stuff is part of it. Sometimes we just glaze over and we don't want to think about it. Mm-hmm. We put it out of mind. But it's a big deal. Because how often have you seen people that weren't senior managers, but they did pretty well in their 401K, mm-hmm. and they walk in on the day that they're retiring, and they've got a million dollars? Right. Right? hmm I mean, I'm not being outlandish here, am I? No, nah, not at all. This is not unreasonable. Mm-hmm. You You may be making a million-dollar decision. Sure. Especially if you're young. So why don't we try to get this right Mm -hmm. from the very beginning? So we're going to talk about that today here on the Advisors Roundtable. Hang in there with us as we talk about uh, how to make yourself a little bit more aware of the investment things around you. Welcome back to the Advisors Roundtable, Certified Financial Planners Bubba Labus and yours truly, Greg Cooley, with you right here on Super Talk Radio. So we're talking about uh, making ourselves a little bit more aware of uh, some of the nomenclature related to investments, and specifically inside your four hundred one k. So let's let's start at the very beginning when you uh, start participating in a four hundred one k. I talked about the um, initial questionnaire. What's the purpose of the questionnaire for a 401k participant?
2: I think we need to back up a little bit more than that, Greg. Mm -hmm. So we're assuming that people know what a 401k is. That's a good question. So uh, let's start with a 401k or a company-sponsored retirement plan. Mm -hmm. A company-sponsored retirement plan is a way for individuals or employees to uh, begin saving money for their own retirement. Okay many times there is a match associated with those plans. From the employer. From the employer, meaning that if, if the employee puts money in, the employer will match money on top of it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there is profit sharing associated with those, meaning that if the employer does really well that year, they will participate when the profits with the employees because they the employees helped get them there, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so they will have a contribution made to their plan as well. Sometimes okay. it's always discretionary based on the profitability of the company and you know whether or not the employer wants to do that. Right. But it's a tax advantaged way to save money for your retirement. Now, if you're an employer and you're
1: listening. Mm-hmm. Just about any employer can have some kind of plan like this.
2: Absolutely. Even if you're a, a, a sole practitioner, you can have a plan like this. Okay. So, you know, just because you're the only, you're a one-man shop, right? You're, yeah. And I'm you're, a plumber. You're a plumber, and it's just you, and you're okay. doing whatever you're doing, uh-huh. uh, plumbing or electrician or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, and it's only you, and you don't have any employees, mm-hmm. you can have a plan like this. All right. Because in the eyes of the IRS and the Department of Labor, you're seen as an employee as well of your own business. Right. Right. Okay. Which is a lot of tax advantages mm-hmm. and stuff yeah. like that. Now without with it. without getting into the nuances of the types of plans yeah. out there, generally speaking it's mm-hmm. it's a company sponsored Uh, Plan Mm -hmm. for employees to to get some skin in the game to begin saving money for their their own retirement. When you
1: say skin in the
2: game, it's going to come out of my paycheck. Out of your paycheck. Usually in a tax uh, preferential way.
1: Which means... Meaning that
2: you're not paying tax on money now. They take
1: it out before they calculate tax. Right.
2: And then one day when you're age 59 and a half or older, you can take it out tax. It's going to be taxable then. So you get deferred growth on it. So our executive
1: producer, Phil, sitting over there looking at us, if his employer came in one day and said, you know what? We need some more tax deductions. We Mm -hmm. also want to keep good employees. We want you guys to have a better future, whatever reason, whatever their motivation, Mm -hmm. we're going to start one of these plans. Right. He has to be informed. So Correct. Because this is, as I said, it could be a million-dollar decision. Sure which means that the employer has to give him plenty of time and plenty of notice mm-hmm. to know there's a window for signing up there're right. going to be people who are h- here are experts uh, on the investments and the tax mm-hmm. savings and the administration on certain days so we don't want you to miss it right and it's going to be two Tuesdays from now mm-hmm. in the afternoon sure and it's on the
2: company calendar so he gets informed of this and he wants to do he thinks. You yeah. He says. You know what? I, I hear about these these retirement plans. Maybe I need to be a, associated with that. Yeah, absolutely. But you know, last I heard, is not many people are offering pensions these days. No, they are not many companies are offering pensions. No, so it really fall, falls to the uh, the employee now to to begin making these plans for yourself. Yeah, and that really came about in the early eighties mm-hmm. uh, is when that kind of came along. Mm-hmm. So the second thing that I think we need to get back to basics on is what is an investment? Mm-hmm. What is a stock and what is a bond, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So I'm going to start with bonds. Mm-hmm. A bond is uh, an obligation. It's a loan, if you will. Okay. Uh, you as an investor would loan a corporation or a government money. Mm-hmm. That corporation or government would uh, agree to give you a certain amount of interest payments for a period of time, let's say 10 years. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of that 10 years, they're going to give you your loan back. So
1: in this case, instead of like at the bank, when I get a loan, they give me a note. Mm-hmm. In this case, they give me a bond, right. which is like a note. Mm-hmm. It says that this is the interest rate you're going to get paid, and this is when you're going to get all your principal back.
2: That's correct. Just like the note at the bank. right? And you hope that it's a, a good, well-established company. That will make good on those payments and give you your money back at the end of the 10 years.
1: Just like the bond do, or the a bank does when I try to borrow money for a car. Correct. They, they hope that I'm yeah. credit worthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right.
2: So uh, that is what a bond is. Mm -hmm. It's basically a loan that you give to a government or a corporation. Mm -hmm. They're going to give you interest payments uh, on a regular basis, Mm -hmm. uh, whether it be semi-annually, annually, however it's set up, right? Right. And then at the the end of the specified period, they're going to give you your principal back. So
1: all that's happening inside the bond investment I -hmm. can make. That's correct. I don't have to negotiate the terms of this Mm -hmm. thing. I don't have to... uh, all that That's all worked out and part of the internal workings of the, the investment, like in a 401k. Correct. If I pick a bond fund. Yep. There are probably a bunch of bonds in there mm-hmm. and a bunch of corporations and a bunch of yeah. government entities. Right. Okay.
2: The other thing is a, is a stock. Mm-hmm. What is a stock? Mm-hmm. Well, stock is ownership. Mm-hmm. You would own a portion of whatever company you bought in their stock, right? Okay. So if Daddy Warbucks Phil over there had a company that uh, he was selling uh, Cracker Jacks, mm-hmm. you know, and all he does is he makes and manufactures Cracker Jacks and he sells those mm-hmm. uh, and we wanted to own part of his company. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, if we owned part of his company or owned stock in his company, we would be entitled to the profits. Or at least our proportionate or our proportionate share okay. of those profits. All right. So a stock is ownership in a company. A bond is ownership. Uh, what I call loanership with an mm-hmm. L. Mm-hmm. Okay, right. So those are the basic components there.
1: And inside, we're picking on four hundred one k's today. Inside four hundred one k's, most of the investment options in there are stocks or bonds.
2: That's correct.
1: There may be some real estate. There may be some mm-hmm. gold and silver. There may be some precious. There may be some of those options right. in there. But most of the time, it's stocks, mm-hmm. bonds. Right. Okay.
2: So Phil, in this case, has taken this quiz mm-hmm. uh, to come up with a risk tolerance or risk parameter for the types of investments that he might need to own. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe Phil is a, a young guy, mm-hmm. uh, fresh into, into working and 22 years old, has a long time horizon in front of him, mm-hmm. and uh, is not really going to be able to touch this money until he's 59 and a half anyway until retirement. So it's a long time horizon, right? And he
1: understands that this, these investments mm-hmm. are long-term. Right. In, from the point of view mm-hmm. of what he wants them to accomplish. Right. He not necessarily, mm-hmm. uh, he doesn't understand and, and, and expect that in this 401k, he's going to be a millionaire next year. Right. Right? Correct. This is something that's 20, 30, 40, 50 years down mm-hmm. the road.
2: His, his risk tolerance may be very high.
1: Meaning that he can put up with the market going up and down a lot.
2: Fluctuations in his investment account. Okay. He may be brand new to it and not understand a thing about it mm-hmm. and be worried to death that his, uh, his principal could, could go down. And it could. And, and, and it could, mm-hmm. right? So he may have a very low risk tolerance. Right. So uh, for that reason, that's why it's a good exercise to go through those questionnaires to find out what types of investments... Mm-hmm. would be appropriate for
1: And you. they ask you some pretty mm-hmm. good questions,
2: mm-hmm. you know. If the market were to move by this mm-hmm. percentage, how would you feel? Um, what I, would you do? I, I like the way they've changed some of the questions mm-hmm. these days because they they make it more relatable. Mm-hmm. They say, if you had a $15,000 investment and it went to $12,000, right. how would you react?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Or if it went to $18,000, how would you react? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, if it went from 15 to 16 or 15 down to 14, Mm -hmm. would that be more uh, in line with what you would would want to see your investments do? Right, right. And and we want to know, Mm -hmm. is he a risk taker
1: or is he really conservative? Because that helps, as you said, Mm -hmm. determine the investments he needs to have in there. Does he need more bonds than stocks? Mm -hmm. Does he need more stocks than bonds? Right. Does he need a mix? Does he also need to throw in some other things like mm-hmm. the gold and the silver and the real estate or whatever? Mm-hmm. That can help maybe be determined by him answering what, about 10, 15, 20 questions? Yeah, yeah, it could. Right?
2: So I'm, I'm going to make it really simple here and say that there are going to be three categories of investors, okay. right? A conservative investor, a moderate investor, and an aggressive investor. Okay. And I'm going to start with conservative because that's kind of the easiest one to begin with, mm-hmm. right? Conservative means uh, that you don't want to see a lot of volatility in your account. Mm -hmm. You're not really looking for a whole lot of return out of your account, but you sure don't want to see it go down in value. Mm -hmm. Okay? Mm -hmm. So what types of investments would be appropriate for a conservative investor? Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Well, we look at it and, you know, conventional financial planning wisdom tells us well, you need a certain portion in cash, mm-hmm. you need a certain portion in bonds, mm-hmm. and a certain portion in stocks, mm-hmm. if anything, in stocks, right? Right. So I would say for a conservative inv- investor, you might want to be somewhere in the neighborhood of 50 to 60% in cash mm-hmm. or money market alternatives, mm-hmm. something that's not going to go down in value. It's right. not going to give you much of a return right now. Right. You might want to have a certain portion in bonds, mm-hmm. probably a larger portion in bonds than you would in stocks. Mm-hmm. So, somewhere in the neighborhood of 70% cash and bonds and 30% in stocks would be a conservative, that would be probably a moderately conservative investment. And those stocks, Mm -hmm. the stock
1: investments, the choices inside there are probably not going to be what we would consider traditionally volatile ones. Correct. They're going to... They're going to be middle of the road, real conservative, yeah. mm-hmm. have held their value a long time, long uh, history of increasing or holding dividends, yeah, something that you can really count on. Correct. Now, when we come back to, from the break, we're going to talk about what it really means to be a moderate, we've talked about conservative, a moderate or an aggressive investor from the Advisors Roundtable on Super Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Advisors Roundtable. Certified Financial Planners, Kulian Labus, with you right here on Super Talk Radio. So, we're talking about these various investments that may be available to us in our 401k. And, um, you know, you, get, you ran through the percentages of what uh, a conservative investor would look mm-hmm. like. Let's talk about a moderate investor. So, okay. the conservative one had a whole lot of cash and bonds. And pretty conservative stock positions, if they right. had any, right?
2: right. Now those gonna, conservative stock positions would, uh, as mm-hmm. we said, would be your steady eddies, you know, the probably large cap value, and we're going to get into this later, but large cap value with high dividend payers.
1: Yeah. And most of them are household names. Right. Right? Johnson & Johnson, mm-hmm. Procter & Gamble. Mm-hmm. Coca-Cola. Home Depot. Walmart. They, you know, yeah. Things you know, like that. Right. Okay? Yeah.
2: All right, so let's go to moderate investors. A moderate investor is going to be somebody who's okay with a little bit of fluctuation, Mm -hmm. a little bit uh, okay with a little bit of volatility in their accounts. They're looking for a higher rate of return, Mm -hmm. um, but they're okay with the ups and downs in the market or more ups and downs in the market, right? right. Um, So for a moderate investor, I'd say somewhere around a 60-40 mix. Okay. would be appropriate for them.
1: And the 60% So the 60% ser-
2: would be in stocks, mm. 40% would be in bonds or, or, and or cash, okay. right? So 40% bonds or cash, 60% in stocks. Okay. How would those stocks be broken out? Right. What would they own in there? Right. Well, they'd own probably majority large cap growth, large cap value. Okay, Some mid cap, probably oh. a little bit of international. Maybe a little bit of small cap and a little bit of emerging
1: markets. All right. So what we have done is we've gone from a conservative Mm -hmm. position where there's only one or two kinds of stock Mm -hmm. or uh, uh, descriptions of the stocks we would have there to five or six different sectors. Correct. uh,
2: Represented
1: um in in a moderate mix
2: and i'm giving these names right now of Mm -hmm. emerging market international that Mm -hmm. sort of thing Uh, and we're going to get into that probably in the next section i would think Mm -hmm. Uh, but just to know that there's more sectors or sections of stock that Mm -hmm. you would own in a moderate portfolio Mm -hmm. for diversification and for overall Return profile. Now, what? what
1: and we're, we're going to talk yeah. for just a moment here about return. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are listening now and they're thinking, you know, I probably and you know, Bubba described that conservative person and I really don't want to see mine go down. But on the other hand, I want some return. Yeah. So that conservative side where you got to 70% cash and bonds Mm -hmm. and real conservative positions and 30% Mm -hmm. of just big, strong stocks in there, what is that probably going to average over a 10- to 20-year period?
2: Well, well, let me tell you where it comes into play. Mm -hmm. When you're standing around the water cooler, Mm -hmm. and maybe you're not saying much, but you're listening to somebody else, and they say, my 401k went from $50,000 to $60,000 this year, and I didn't put any extra money in it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that's a 20% return, it is. right? It is. And, and I would say that's pretty doggone good, uh-huh. not to be anticipated or expected every year. Right. And then uh, old Phil over there, who's a conservative right. investor, says, well, my I, I quit putting money in because I was worried about whatever, and I had $50,000, but mine only went to $50,000 eight hundred dollars you know Mm -hmm. so that's a big variation there
1: of return of return so the other guy the first guy who spoke up and he Mm -hmm. had gone up ten thousand dollars that one year he may have been taking more risks correct and may not well he probably wasn't a conservative investor may
2: not even been a moderate investor he's probably going to be an aggressive one And then Phil decides, well, I want to get some of that 20% return. I'm going to change. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to buy me some of these different stocks that we're talking about here. I'm getting rid of all those bonds and that cash. That's just boring. Just as soon as he does it, then the market has a shift (laughs) and it goes down, right? That would be his luck, probably. And, and, And truthfully, that's the sequence of return for the average investor. Right, because the average investor gets out there and they kind of chase the hot performer or whatever is doing better. They've got to
1: keep up with their brother-in-law.
2: And statistics have shown that the average investor, as they are investing money, uh, typically do the wrong thing at the wrong time. Mm -hmm. And they will earn somewhere around a 4% annualized rate of return, whereas the average equity fund returns around eight to eight and a half percent. So if they just hung in there. Yeah.
1: So this conservative person shouldn't trace, chase the return even though it sounds good by the water cooler. If you're conservative, remain conservative. Which means that he can sleep at night mm-hmm. because on the other side, yeah. what if they're standing around the water cooler and the stock market has been down 10 days in a row mm-hmm. and old Mr. Aggressive is down 10000 That's right. What's happening with Phil's investments?
2: It, it may be down four or $500. There you go. So over And that's when Phil needs to brag, right? <laughs> that's right. Well, I'm only down four hundred bucks, mm-hmm. you know, and you're down ten thousand mm-hmm. dollars on the same amount of money. So over a
1: ten to twenty year period, Phil's gonna average three to six percent?
2: Uh, yeah, maybe. Okay. Yeah, I think that's a good good rate of return to Okay. For for a conservative, a conservative yeah. Maybe a, maybe a three percent rate of return. Okay. Yeah, then, a moderate should be somewhere between three and six, and okay. you know, uh, more aggressive should be above six percent annualized, right? Over a longer period of time. And sometimes he's going to do twenty percent, yeah, like you pointed yeah. out by the water cooler. So sometimes, sometimes you're going to do negative twenty percent, and in an aggressive port. So the aggressive portfolio, yeah, right? What does it look like? <clears throat> um, I'm going to say it's about a 90 ten mm-hmm. So you're going to have ninety percent in stock and maybe ten percent in cash and bonds. Mm-hmm. And what kind of bonds would you own in this case? If you're aggressive. If you're aggressive. Well, you're not going to own, more than likely, government bonds. Mm -mm. You're not going to own the safer types of bonds. You're Mm going to own... Uh emerging market bonds or high yield bonds. Mm-hmm. So let me explain what those are. Yeah. What's a high yield so bond? It yi- sounds good, yeah.
1: doesn't it sound it does. good, Phil? High
2: yield yeah. bond. Higher yield, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. uh they used to call these things junk bonds. Oh, that doesn't sound good. Yeah.
1: I like high yield. High yield
2: sounds a whole lot better than <laughs> yeah, yeah, junk bonds. Straight. <laughs> right? So um a high yield or a junk bond is a bond from a corporation. Uh, that may not have as good of a, uh, a financial footing as, say, investment grade bonds. Yeah. So they may be a little bit more risky. Mm-hmm. For instance, mm-hmm. uh, doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with their bonds. They just inherently carry more risk associated with them. Which means that uh, they may not be able to meet all the terms of the bond. They they, they might not may go out of business. But think about it this way. If you got a loan from a bank and you've got an 800 credit score, right? Yeah. You're probably going to get a pretty good interest rate on that loan right. because you're a good credit to I that bank. pay all my bills. You pay I all pay your bills. You pay them on time. Oh, right, right, so right. you might get your loan for 6%. Mm-hmm. Somebody else may go in and, and need the same amount of money and maybe they've got a 600 credit score. They've missed a few payments. They've missed a few payments. Maybe they're not as steady in their job. Maybe Mm -hmm. they're, for whatever reason, not as good of a credit risk.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Well, they may have to pay 8.5% for their loan. Mm -hmm. Same thing with these companies, right? Right. If they're junk bonds or if they're high yield, as we call it, Mm -hmm. they're not as good of a credit risk. So they may have to pay more or typically do pay more on their interest payments. Right. And there have been And that's the attractive part of high yield. Yes. Right?
1: Because they pay a higher interest you rate. You take
2: on more risk associated with that. But you're taking it. a but, chance with that one. But you're taking a chance that you're going to get more income out
1: of it. And them. there have been companies that, for a period of time in their history, they had issues. Right. They changed CEOs, or the economy shifted, or they're trying to do a bunch of upgrades. And so they're trying to keep up. They're trying to mm-hmm. stay in business, but they don't have a whole lot of free cash flow now because they're sure. putting all that back into research and development and mm-hmm. technology or what. And there's a period of time in their history where the analysts see them right. as a risk. Right. But they come through it. Mm mm-hmm. hmm. Yeah because there have you know there are a lot of people i know who are a, an 800 credit score now mm-hmm. but 15 years ago when i met them 600 was, was a goal sure yeah, they sure. they weren't 600 yet right but they came through it right but you're taking a risk mm-hmm. you're taking a chance maybe they come through it maybe they don't and so an aggressive investor is willing to do that right Because they understand that there's some that are going to come through, and I'm going to hit a home run here.
2: But an aggressive investor, we're talking about bonds, which everybody Mm -hmm. assumes are safe investments. Don't they do it? Uh, They think, well, you know, I'm a a conservative investor, so I'm going to own bonds. Mm -hmm. Well, there are very aggressive bonds out there. Yes, there are. Um, And and the bond market is so much larger than the stock market. People don't realize that. They don't because it's not as sexy. Yeah, it's not.
1: You know, and it's kind of boring and whatever Mm -hmm. related to bonds and loans. Mm -hmm. And so you don't have very, very few times do you have reporters Mm -hmm. on the floor of the bond market reporting. Mm -hmm. They're down there where that real sexy activity is going on with the stocks. And if they are
2: reporting on the bonds, it's, you know. People don't understand it anyway, so mm-hmm. they just tune out.
1: No, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. What does that yield of maturity right. mean? Right. Right?
2: So for an aggressive investor, if you've got 10 to 15% in, in cash and or bonds, the types of bonds that they own are mm-hmm. going to be more aggressive in nature. Okay. And then the other, you know, 85%, 90% of the stocks in their mm-hmm. portfolio or percentage of their portfolio are going to be in stocks, mm-hmm. and they're going to own all different types of stocks, Right. So what are the different categories of these stocks that we're talking about? That's
1: exactly what we're going to talk about in this next segment coming up. We're going to talk about what does it mean to be emerging markets. Mm -hmm. What's the difference between emerging markets and international and global? What's the difference between large cap and mid cap? Mm -hmm. What's the difference between small cap and micro cap? Mm -hmm. How do all these things work and what do I need to have? Right. And if I'm an aggressive investor, how much of that do I need to allocate? We're going to talk about that and try to squeeze all that in in the next 10 to 15 minutes when we come back from this break at the Advisors Roundtable. Welcome back to the Advisors Roundtable. Certified Financial Planners Greg Cooley and Bubba Labus with you here on Supertalk Radio. So we're talking about the various kinds of investments that may be available to you uh, in your investment account, specifically in your 401k here. So Bubba, I pulled one. uh, Before you and I left the office, uh, I just printed out a 401k statement for one of our clients. Okay. Okay. And I I didn't print the first page that has the total balance nor their name on it. And I'm going to shred this as soon as I leave here. But I just needed something Mm -hmm. to go by here. So this person's got almost a half million dollars in their 401k and their late 50s, early 60s. And, uh, you know, they save a fair amount of money here and they make a decent amount of money. All right, inside this uh, investment uh, account here, we've got equity income. Okay. What does that mean? Equity income. Mm-hmm. Now, equity sounds to me
2: like you own something. Right. Like it, uh, your house. Equity you got- is a, another good name for stock. Okay. An equity investor is a stock investor. So an equity income investor. And an income, that would tell me that those are stocks that are going to pay an income or dividend. So there are some stocks that don't? There are some that don't. You know, they reinvest all their growth and all their profits back into the business to make uh, their widgets better and that sort of thing. They're called growth companies. Oh,
1: so they they get to the end of the year and they have some profit, Mm -hmm. as we all hope we do. We get to the end of the year and this company has some profit. Mm-hmm. The board of directors has a decision to make. Right? right? Mm-hmm. What are we going to do with this profit? Well, as you said, we're making widgets mm-hmm. here. We want to make them with a longer handle next year. Well, that right. means we're going to have to upgrade that machine over there. And we're going to have to mm-hmm. order different kinds of materials. We're going to have to have some training. We're going to have to have bigger boxes. I mean, you start thinking right. about the practicality of this. Mm-hmm. Okay. So how are we going to do that? Well, we got this profit. We'll use this money to help us do that to have longer handle widgets.
2: Yeah. To mm-hmm. retool this factory to to make longer handle widgets so that we can sell more widgets and then therefore we'll have more profit.
1: Okay. So this year we didn't mm-hmm. we didn't distribute any of the profit. Right. Which means and the the distribution of the profit's called dividends. Correct. Right? So we didn't do that. But now there are co- some companies that, you know, everybody buys washing pow mm-hmm. washing powders. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. And so very few times does Procter & Gamble use all of their profits mm-hmm. to do a lot of upgrading. Sure. And they have a, cons- and I'm just picking on Procter right. & Gamble here. They have a consistent long-term mm-hmm. history of paying dividends. Some of theirs back out. In Correct. Pro- and that's called income. Mm-hmm. I know this lady, and she owns a, 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 you know, a, a basket, a, a lot of investments mm-hmm. that pay, the- that's what she wants she's in retirement right. and she's looking for that dividend mm-hmm. you know yeah. that income mailbox money is what it's call mailbox it. money yeah. so this person has equity income mm-hmm. which means that one of the investments they have in here mm-hmm. and that's, this one's actually sponsored by Vanguard Vanguard has a fund that is equity income and in that fund the fund managers only buy or mostly buy mm-hmm. companies that use a lot of, if right. not all of, their profits mm-hmm. to go back out to people in the form of income. Now, why right. would a company want to pay me income? Why wouldn't they want to put it all back into growth? What, what, what makes a company attractive?
2: Ooh, I just answered my own question. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're very attractive if they pay you an income, and, right? And we've talked about this in the past. What is the reason anybody owns an investment to begin with? Mm-hmm. It's Either because you want income now or you want income later. It's pretty simple. Yeah. And if it's a growth company, you're saying, Hey, you know what, I'm buying this growth company because later on down the road, maybe twenty years, I hope that the the value of that company is more so that I can sell it and, and generate an income. Yeah. Absolutely. Or, like uh, the lady you just discussed, Mm -hmm. this lady wants an income now. So she wants these companies that pay high dividends to her. She's not working
1: anymore. Unfortunately, Mm -hmm. her husband's not here. The income she has Mm -hmm. coming in is from her investments and her Social Security. Right. Today, she wants income. Correct. She's got to keep the lights on. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the equity income investment she's made helps her do that. Right. Here's another one.
2: Before you go on. You need to be careful when it says equity income. Okay. Because it may be uh, maybe another type of income that they may be referring to that you own bonds Ooh. in that. So Ooh. you you got to be careful of the types mm-hmm. of funds that you own, mm-hmm. but also know what the funds
1: actually do. Yes, you do. You really do. And, and there are ways for mm-hmm. people that aren't financial advisors to find that out. Sure. But if you're signing up for a 401k, mm-hmm. your 401k administrator and financial advisor ought to be, answer those, be able to answer those questions. So the next one on this list is U.S. equity growth. Okay. U.S. That's the United States. United States. So these companies are U.S. companies. Mm-hmm. Equity, you said, are stocks. Stock. And then the next one is the word growth.
2: Which means they're growth companies, not dividend payers. Or so, typically not dividend
1: payers. So when they get their profits mm-hmm. in... They're putting it back in ways yep. to grow.
2: Yep. And I would I would be willing to bet that some of the top holdings in that particular fund mm-hmm. are going to be Facebook, Apple, uh, Google, uh, yeah, uh, maybe Tesla. Okay. Right?
1: All right. Companies that are growth. Mm-hmm. They want their stock uh, price to go up. They're trying to always uh, renov- uh, innovate. Mm-hmm. They're renovating companies, they're innovating the way they market, they're coming out with new technology, you know, they spend a lot of money on computers Mm -hmm. and whatever. Right. Right? U.S. equity growth. The next one is blue chips. Okay. All right. U.S. equity doesn't necessarily mean that they're all blue chips. That's right. Now, what's a blue chip?
2: Uh, Blue Chip is a company that's been around for a long time. Could be uh, a value company. Could be a growth company. Okay. Uh, Usually has a a market capitalization of a certain size, meaning that they're really big companies. Big old company that you know the name of. Yeah. All right. Now, here's
1: one. Mid-cap value. Okay. All right. That's two words
2: we yes. haven't talked about mm-hmm. much, mid-cap and value. I did use the word capitalization a minute ago. You did. So capitalization refers to the size. How big it is. Right. So we talk about a large cap, a mid-cap, or a small cap. Mm-hmm. Large cap, uh, a minute ago, or blue chip, those are the huge companies, right? Midcap mm-hmm. Mid-cap are going to be medium-sized companies. Okay. Maybe the ones that are trying to grow to be... Uh, a bigger company, right? right. Maybe uh, in this case, a mid-cap value could be uh, an insurer, okay. right? Uh, that's going to pay high dividends, mm-hmm. right? But they're not quite as big as some of the bigger insurers. Okay.
1: All right. But they're probably well-run. Well-run. And they may be just a regional bank sure. or a regional insurer mm-hmm. in a part of the country. And a lot of people don't even, maybe even know the names of a company mm-hmm. that would be considered mid-cap. Correct. Most people, if I read the list of the top ten holdings mm-hmm. of the blue chips. You would know them. You would know those. Mm-hmm. You know.
2: If you read the the names of the mid-cap value in, in this one, mm-hmm. you might know two or three. Yeah. Maybe. Of the top ten.
1: Yeah. Right. But that doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. mean that they're not well-run companies. Right. Or that if you invest in them. Within a few years, they become large cap, correct, which means they have grown, Mm -hmm. which means their stock probably grew, which means you made good money. Are small cap and mid caps maybe a place for an aggressive investor to find some good growth for later on?
2: I, I don't know if it's a place to find some good growth for later on. The characteristics of those companies mm-hmm. uh, are more growth-oriented, and you would hope that they would rise in value.
1: At least some of them. Sure. Right. <laughs> Which leads me to the next one on the list here, small cap index. Mm-hmm. All right. That's a small company? Small companies. All right. Yeah. But probably well run. Right. Maybe with the potential to grow into a mid cap or a large cap?
2: Well this one says index on it. It does. So because it's an index, it's just a broad basket of small companies. Okay. Right. Just so that you can get exposure to that asset class.
1: Okay. So in that in, in that index, in that investment, there may be fifty or a hundred? There or may 200. be two thousand. Two thousand.
2: Two thousand different companies in the small cap index. I I don't know it, what index yeah. they're tracking here, but it could yeah. be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which there are a lot of small companies out there
1: that are pretty many well, of them are well run. They are. Yeah. I mean, you you know, you go to church and you mm-hmm. look around and see people who own companies. Uh, they own companies right. and drive big cars because they're profitable.
2: Sure,
1: huh? They may be right. only in your county. Mm-hmm. That's an extreme, that's a micro, sure. uh, you know, uh, index sure. uh, or capitalization, but mm-hmm. they still run well. And then the very last one was international. Okay. The definition of international as opposed to global is. Global
2: that would include the United States. Anything on the globe. Anything on the globe. Right. International would be usually anything excluding the United States.
1: Yep. Yep. Well, I hope you are a little more informed as to what you own or the possibility of what you could own inside your retirement plan as you seek to build wealth. From the Advisors Roundtable on Super Talk Radio we